Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Movember Radio. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is a weekly podcast focusing on men's health and the issues that men face today. With more than 5 million Mobros and Mo sisters participating in Movember since 2003, we've heard some amazing stories of men who have overcome odds and achieved great things and made discoveries that will impact the health of generations for years to come. Each week on the show, we chat with someone from the Movember community who's passionate about changing the face of men's health. To catch up on episodes, visit movemberradio.com. Also, just search for us on Facebook if you need to know anything else. Today, my guest is Australian sporting legend Tom Carroll. He's a former professional surfer who pretty much dominated the sport for more than a decade. 26 wins to his name including three Pipe Masters victories and two world titles. However, Tom's personal life is not without struggle. Tom had to endure the death of his mother when he was still a child and the loss of his sister to a car crash when he was at the height of his surfing career. He was the very first surfer in history to sign a million-dollar contract, pretty much transforming professional surfers from surf magazine poster fame to bona fide rock star status. So come now to Tom Carroll's home in the peaceful northern beaches of Sydney where, surrounded by his three very affectionate cats, we find out just how a quiet kid from Newport came to rule the world of surfing, his thoughts on when to take action about your health, and how he got involved with the Movember Foundation. Thanks for having us in your home. Yeah, no worries. Sun real. Yeah. Can you describe this part of Sydney to us? Well, we're right in the middle of the best time of year um, in this part of the world. It's, you know, not too hot. It's not too cold. It's usually quite sunny. And, and this Northern Beaches area? What, what This Northern Beaches yeah. area, is, it's um, very loads of trees. You know, it's a very leafy area. A lot of bird life, which I really like. And um, we've got all kinds of other animals too. We've got the ring-tailed possum, which is awesome. That's a great little creature. We've got a whole bunch of them in our yard. You've got quite the oasis here, mate. Yeah, and so as you can see, we're sitting in amongst the trees. You know, we've got a bit of glass around us, so we can sort of feel like we're in the trees a little bit. How important is it for you to have, you know, this kind of what essentially looks like a retreat available to you? Yeah, really essential because I I travel a lot. I engage with a lot of people in what I do on a fairly consistent basis. So... The body and the mind, no matter what, needs a place to um, breathe 
and when I'm dealing with a lot, a lot of people, which, like I said, I'm accustomed to, uh, but I, I notice that I really need that space today more than ever. Uh, because not only do I have all these people, um, just in my natural uh, interaction daily or in what I do for work, but it's also works digitally too. So today, I think more than ever, we need to have a place where we can decompress from it all. And it's nice to have a home like that. Mm. When did you figure out that you needed that space? Oh, uh, I think I'm figuring it, figuring it out on a daily basis. <laughs> it's a new thing each day. I pushed it pretty hard for many years and um, probably about eight years ago I kind of really had a kind of a real awakening to it and uh, and I was able to kind of see for what it was, what was going on and, and actually see what I really needed to, to care for myself. I think that's an ongoing journey but it's, you know, it became really apparent. At some point the the stuff will come up, whatever needs to come up, right? <laughs> if, if it's okay with you, can we paint a bit of the picture for folks mm. who yeah, uh, yeah. might be just getting to know you with this, with this yeah. chat? You started surfing very early, seven, mm. eight years old. What did you learn what it was to be... Like, because there's very few things that as a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old, you mm. are in direct uh, contact with grown men doing the same thing. You're on yeah. the same surf break yeah. as yep. alpha 35-year-old yeah. fit dudes. Yeah. Yeah. What did you learn or what was your early picture of what it was to, to be a man and that sort of thing back then? Wow, yeah, okay. I think it even come in a lot earlier than that. Uh, you know, I never forget the first feeling of wanting to be like this man it was when my uh, uncle uh, Sid had a sugarcane farm up in um, Mackay and my my father's from Mackay. That's like in the mid-north coast of Queensland, tropical. Right up there. People are nuts up yeah, there. Yeah, real nuts. Yeah. Just, yeah. And that was big sugarcane country back then. It still is. And watching the cane cutters, watching those guys, you know, they're just cutting, cutting cane, sugarcane with those big knives, like machetes, but bigger. And uh, so they were there cutting, physically cutting the cane. It wasn't like it is today. You've got these beautiful machines that do all this sort of special separation and these guys are cutting the cane burning it and then cutting it these guys are big men and and i used to look at them and go oh man i want to be like that you know and that's how i felt you know <laughs> i just and i know it sounds completely different than surfing but no. i guess that what happens is as a young boy you know we get impressioned and it's a very powerful one i never forget it you know driving tractors and cutting cane back then there wasn't that many it wasn't any 35 year old surfers back then that i knew of but i knew that uh maybe one or two older guys when you're seven everyone's old everyone's old 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 you're 12 year old right um so when uh i got to understand the people you know around me that were kind of leading the way which were around about the kind of late teens early 20s and these guys were doing things you know like um they're getting out and the guys that used to sort of take it on and the, and the mystical kind of big wave guys, you know, at the beach. Guys like, I know, still surfs today. David Jones, he's like, he's in his mid-60s and he still surfs today. And him and this other guy, Jeff Crow, these guys were the, the big wave riders at the beach. And when you kind of saw these guys, it was kind of, whoa, they're, they're the guys that surf when we can't surf. We can't even think about getting out there. You know, these guys are doing things that we can't even imagine. So that sort of thing was a dream. So as a yeah, as a young boy, I was very impressionable, and um, 
a lot of things were going on at my beach <laughs> that weren't that weren't that nice either, well, which well, I didn't understand. Yeah, yeah because the, there's that alpha culture that exists mm. in the lineup, mm. but then that also transfers to the car park, correct, and then to the pub, doesn't it? Yeah, it goes all over the place, and so it spills out everywhere. And that energy, as I see it today, is an energy that we uh, we kind of either either see it. And, um, and understand it or it kind of just spills out and it's unconscious. As a kid, you just don't know. You sort of but at the time, it must have felt quite exciting. It was exciting and I think the 70s was a real dangerous time. It wasn't uh, like this sort of cool kind of thing where you get an idea of, oh, wasn't that cool back in the 70s, you know? It was, it was dangerous. <laughs> it was downright. No one knew what the hell was going on, really. A lot of exper- experimentation. In the middle of this, you're, you're becoming a surfer of... Mm-hmm. You know, some repute around the, this certain area. Who was the first person that kind of clued you in that, you know what, you could, you could make something with this? Mm. There was a surfer at the beach. His name was Derek Hind. He was the best surfer at the beach, and I really looked up to his surfing and was really inspired by his surfing. He, lo- he was out there. He was sort of pushing us, you know, taking us to Nar- North Narrabeen to surf with other great surfers. And North Narrabeen was a hotbed of world-class talent. And uh, Derek was our kind of go-to guy to watch for where to go with our surfing and he he would uh take us you know charge us 20 cents to, in petrol to go down to Narrabeen which is what <laughs> 10 mile down the road so he had the, these world-class surfers out there and and also there was a stepping stone in that I could see that I could actually surf with these guys and I could watch these guys and get inspired and be in awe and and dream and, and I think in that, in that space there, there was professional, the first professional events being held there from time to time. So in the 70s, you know, there was the Tour Sim Coca-Cola Surfabout, they called it. Mm. Uh, it was one of the big professional events, the first professional events being held in Australia. And uh, I'll never forget the first one being held. I think it was 1975. Uh, everyone came to town for that. That event made a huge impression on me to see these guys surfing in the area, watching what they were doing, these guys that I'd read about in all the magazines. Those were the marking points where I kind of looked at to, you know, uh, and immersed myself in imagery of. Just for our younger listeners, magazines Mm. were shiny things that we would buy from a shop. Yeah. And we would Mm. read them again and again and again. Yeah, and that's the only thing on the table. So, And then in the posters on the wall, just whole bedroom of posters and so it was you had a fairly clear path i'm guessing school was like secondary <laughs> literally secondary school yeah um, um i guess my my whole mind and body was taken up by surfing fairly fairly early, probably about 12 11 yeah. 12 i was pretty much immersed fully and how was your old man about that probably quite worried about it <laughs> um but i was never really uh, as academic as my older brother and sister I didn't naturally take to school, obviously, because half my brain was down the beach on the waves and my imagination was there too. So at what, point, at what point did your dad recognise, oh, maybe I'll let him keep going on the surfing thing, this is all right? Um, he allowed us to um, move in a direction, uh, which was natural for us. And for that, I'm really grateful. Obviously, I'm really grateful today. He didn't like to step in the way. Uh, he could see us getting a lot out of it. You know, it was healthy and it was adventurous and something that he it was totally new for him. And he tried it himself on a secret way. You know, he tried to 
he went and bought a surfboard. I didn't even know it went on. I mean, I was pretty distracted. But uh, I remember watching with my brother going, who's that person down on the shore trying to learn how to surf? Look at that guy. And he goes, that's Dad. I'm going, what? When did you get a surfboard? I didn't even see him get a surfboard. Wow. So he got himself a board and he tried and he said, oh, that's too hard for me. Tom, that's for you. But he gave it a go. It sounds like a, it sounds like a pretty good guy to... Yeah. At least give, try and get into something that his son's getting into and also mm. recognise that this pastime, mm. this hobby, this passion mm. that it turned into was probably as healthy for you as any kind of schooling. Yeah, he could see that. And he knew that I was an outside person compared to my, my brother and my sister who could... My brother started reading books from cover to cover when he was five. Right. And, uh, and I, was, I was outside climbing trees. <laughs> so <laughs> I worked the opposite. As sibling, close siblings yeah. do, in, in, in a, a sibling rivalry kind of way. And um, I'd go and do opposite to what he, he did, he, he do, even though I'd be looking for guidance. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I guess there was a gap where um, I got to pick up the surfboard more often than Nick did during these, the period of, a long period of um, school holidays, once about three weeks or something, that's a long time when you're a kid. It is. Well, something like that happened, and Nick got sort of went off and did his thing, and got more into tennis and and stuff. Yeah. And then then he came back from this whatever he was doing, and he could he could see that I'd improved out of sight. And I think it was maybe over a Christmas holiday, yeah. six maybe more like six weeks, and he realised that man, Tom's like he's got a hold of this. And when I felt that, I ran with it because I knew that my brother was better. He just seemed to be smarter, faster, more competitive and, and more driven than and I was. I was driven by another thing, you know. I was driven by kind of being heard. So yeah. you talked about looking at pictures of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, you competed there right after high school. What, what was it like when you first went there as a young adult in Hawaii with, in the big waves, with the mm. big boys? Well, I think everything starts somewhere, you know. Dreams kind of like kick off somewhere, like a little seed got planted in those pictures and and the surfs that I eventually sort of got myself into you know it all has to happen gradually it doesn't happen fast and that's the illusion today that things can happen really fast because we've got such clear imagery right in front of us we've got such clear examples of people doing amazing things all the time compared to back then there was a time frame that was allowed to kind of organically move that I can see was really clearly very important for me to get to understand what I do and actually help me on, on, on my, in my longevity with it too. And that is that the dream sort of starts and it starts and it goes real slow. Uh, incrementally come, uh, it's brought on board that I can take risk. I can go and take a little bit more risk and take a little bit more risk with that and I'm safe. I can keep going. Oops, I hurt myself. Bang. Down the, down the rung puts you back down the rung a few you know levels and then back climb back out take more risk take more risk take little risk at a time maybe another big one boom you get hit back down boom and then you kind of you know and then all of a sudden you take one big one and you go whoa you made it it's sort of like those i guess you could go to the uh video <laughs> game yeah. thing where you make one big leap and you go from finally go to the next stage yeah. and that can happen with you with your ability and your talent and and where you're going to and what you love, it's the same sort of thing. It's sort of like just taking it increments at a time. You have to spend 
They say 10,000 hours, right? It is absolutely impossible to get that much surfing time standing on a board surfing a wave. I just don't know how you get 10,000 hours. 20 seconds at a time. Yeah, 20 seconds at a time. <laughs> how do you do that? So, so you were like 18 the first time you competed mm. in Hawaii? Um, I, was, I was 16. 16. And uh, I went over there and um, got to like shit myself, literally. Uh, at Surfing Sunset Beach. I mean, I know it's a horrible thing to think about right now. We're talking right now. It's all nice and happy days here right now. But, yeah, I literally, uh, all the stories are in my head. And then I go to surf Sunset Beach and on my first day and I take a wipeout. I literally, like, evacuated. I just went over with this wave really violently. The effect was pretty profound. I'll never forget it. You know, those sort of moments are quite... Yeah, you, know, you don't forget those moments. But, um, but Hawaii has so much... Held so much in my head as a place to prove myself. You know, that's the pinnacle of surfing. That's where we get ourselves together and 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 actually master. You, you talked about the you know the the pressure you felt to to compete at that level and to prove yourself in mm. the water. Mm. What about at night when you're all going out? Did you feel the pressure to kind of prove yourself when? Oh yeah, uh, and to join in, and you know to to be accepted. At some level, you're still. You, you're trying to figure out where you fit. I was trying to find out who I was constantly in the world, being kind of more of a shy kid, you know, like especially travelling at 16. Pretty much from that point I started travelling to countries, like my second trip overseas was to Japan and I was 17 and that was for six weeks and that really cracked me because six weeks in Japan at 17 coming from like, you know, bacon, eggs and cocoa pops in the morning to like a dried piece of fish and uh, raw egg on, on rice yeah. for breakfast each morning was really tricky. Everything was like, oh, my God, I, I'm not going to deal with this. A full meltdown first few days, you know. Yeah. But it broke me into travelling. But then what you're talking about before is like getting acceptance in my environment because constantly meeting new people, new situations kind of wanting to be more than what I was you know all the time and learning not really understanding what uh, self-acceptance really was or or any of that sort of stuff and just being out there in the world through the course of my work I've gone to a couple of pro tour events Mm. I've been to the pro juniors a few times Mm. but I've also gone over to Tahiti to Chopu Mm. and uh, also at the North Shore and the partying I saw (laughs) was up there with any any music festival or any mm. music after party For possibly sure. beyond it must have been yeah. not only so exciting to be surfing those roads but suddenly you're standing around in a room with these guys you've seen in magazines and there's girls there as well and yeah. there's beer there mm. and it's tropical air yeah, it yeah. must have been amazing yeah oh no it's it's on you know like you want the you want the excitement hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. To carry on, you get that effect in the ocean and then you want to keep that effect moving on think that's the big deal like it's a really big thing you know like it's kind of like a desperation and it spills over for sure and the party it's fun like there's a lot of fun uh, you know until it goes a little overboard but <laughs> of course it always kind of you know well in some cases in a lot of cases it does you know so you gotta watch yourselves but you know the energy the mm. energy's strong it's um it's a it is and it's, it's Pun intended, it's intoxicating. Very, yeah. To be you, around you it. You don't need much. Over the time, you got astronomically successful. 83, mm. 84, mm. you were world champion. Late 80s, I remember you, I remember it. You were the first millionaire surfer. Yeah. And signed this mm. first time ever anyone mm. had done yeah. that. It was absolute rock star. Yeah. yeah. How did you even keep your feet on the ground? I uh, couldn't. No, you can't keep your feet on the ground in that, that environment uh, in, in those times. Compared to now, uh, and I'd imagine if you're open to it, you've got a lot more, you know, support uh, around you as an athlete and um, a lot more awareness about what goes on. Then it was like, it was just make it up as you go. It was like as raw as you can get. And whatever went, it went. And pretty much you could be lifted off the ground. You know, it was sometimes pretty scary and sometimes a lot of fun and sometimes super engaging and super like lively and inspiring and uh it was everything it had a lot of a lot of emotionally charged times trying to live as fast as possible really like, we, were, we were living pretty quick it was like we were traveling a lot trying to achieve a lot trying to you know push the boundaries at all levels and there wasn't much idea of sort of any downtime not at all when did you first start to realize though that uh, your, I mean, the interesting thing about surfing is you can't, uh, to use the rock and roll analogy again, mm. you can be on stage and have, you know, the most exercise you've done that day is pick up a guitar. Mm. And mm. as long as you can remember the songs, you're all right. Yeah. But you're not going to be able to paddle into waves that are 10, 12, yeah, yeah. 15 foot high unless you are sharp ass. Yeah. That's so, correct. Yeah. you know, you've got that thing where you've kind of always got to be on physically. Mm. And then when that pressure's off, you must have mm. really wanted to, how can I release from that discipline? Mm. How can I get out of that? Yeah, a lot of it, uh, because, because I was quite used to it, it was not, um, it wasn't, it, it, you know, it wasn't, wasn't that hard. It just, was just a part of life, yeah. you know, for me. It wasn't, I felt very, very strong physically mm. at the time. Um, well, you were, the f you were like the first guy, I mean, you hear about mm. it all the time now, but you were mm. the first guy to do a real land-based 
training as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really saw the opportunity for our sport to benefit from other sports and see what we could learn from uh, what was going on in other sports and, and how much time and, and effort that other activities such as, um, uh, you know, like a tennis player spent eight hours on a quarter day may, maybe to practice some special drills and techniques and, and, and understand, you know, you know, hit the ball across the net and, and a golf golfer would do a thousand strokes a day or some, you know, like th- this is like stuff that for me was just new and and there was no surfers really looking at even the best surfers in the world weren't even looking at it and I thought well if I could just apply a bit of that I might be able to get a bit more out of myself and and improve and mm. and that's that was just an equation right. that I woke up to and um and I felt, my body felt fantastic so from both the surfing and the cross training so the training and and we didn't know what we were doing like really Back then, you think about now, you go, oh my God, that's damaging. Because we're a lot of aerobic classes, you know, like two in a row. And that aerobics back then were super dangerous because uh, we were just moving our body. So it was a ballistic kind of moves and, yeah. and really intense and dance stuff, and, um, and which was also really challenging. And also weight training and, and running and swimming and, uh, and, and running sand hills and... and Basically, getting into a real groove with it made me feel really good. And once I committed to it, I was the benefits were extraordinary. So, I, and there was not not really many guys doing it. So I got a big jump ahead. Right. And that's what really got me moving into my my first world title. You talked about getting getting injured before. Um, as someone who's had a head injury, um, I remember you were always the guy with a helmet, which yes. I was thrilled about. But yeah. blokes must have given you so much stick. Yeah. How did yeah. you deal with that? Because well, all you're doing was trying to look after yourself, yeah, and the, blokes were, must yeah. have paid you out. Uh, they may have, but I didn't really get anything direct. Uh, no one really sort of approached me and said, "You know, you 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 look like a tool. <laughs> you know, um, you know, what are you wearing that silly thing for? You know, no one has ever done that directly with me. They may have done it behind my back, mm. um, but it didn't really. It, I really did it because I I noticed that there was really a particular danger to head injury at pipeline and uh, and people had died from head injury really all the deaths at pipeline from head injury so i put two and two together if i want to go deeper and harder and 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 want to push myself and push my limits at pipeline i gotta protect my head so it just was a simple thing to do for me and i was so accident prone i had so many injuries in my life that i thought you know if i hit my head and and i'm like this guy i knew the surfer from he was from Texas originally. His name's Beaver Massafella. I remember Beaver, he got whacked in the head. I can't remember whether it was a reef or a board, but he got whacked real hard. He had to get a plate uh, put in his head, and he wasn't ever quite the same. He was just always a little... Something happened to him mentally, and, and he's a cool guy, and I like to talk to him. He was a bit slow after it and a bit different, and I've gone, wow, that really affected him. But he wore a helmet after the fact, right? I thought... Why are you even wearing a helmet now for? I mean, obviously he's got some fear and he's dealing with that fear and he needs to do it. So that's cool. And he's out there surfing. That's really nice. But I've gone, I'm going to wear one now before it happens. You know, at least, yeah. at least you know, before anything happens with my head. Yeah. So uh, it made uh, a lot of sense to me that year. I remember from 1987, found someone had a helmet, the surfing helmet they were building here in New South Wales, uh, down the south coast. He was a teacher, phys ed teacher. 
and uh, he put this helmet together, which was kind of like a pretty ugly helmet. But anyway, I'm going, I'm going to surf pipeline with this thing on. I want to go way deeper than everyone else. I want to push myself. I don't care what happens there. If I can just feel a little bit freer, because you just don't want to be thinking surfing. Mm. You don't want to be doing any thinking because surfing all happens too quick. So you just it's all feel. And so surfing pipeline with a helmet on allowed me that freedom to act without thinking. And, right. and it went work. Yeah. I don't think anyone who's ever seen you take that wave at Pipeline can ever forget it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Movember is, is why mm. we're here. Yeah. And I'm yeah. interested to know, how did your relationship with Movember come about? It's just got my imagination. Probably, well, it might have been about 10 years ago. The idea of growing a moustache to help men's health. It seemed like a really fun thing to do, you know, and and have a good laugh at the same time and possibly raise some money to help men's men's health. And I've gone, wow, what a great idea. I just dove straight on it and started growing a mower for November and got into it and tried to raise a little bit of money and, and you know, it was just still kind of a party at the end of it and shaved it off again. So, and you know, everyone got to have a bit of a laugh at each other. It was all about having a bit of a laugh at yourself, which I think is very healthy. You know, anyway, for our mental health to actually turn around and go, not take ourselves too seriously, grow a massage and have a bit of a laugh, it's kind of like a step in the right direction as far as I'm concerned. And then all of a sudden you've got this incredible successful model for raising funds to help research. And look yeah. how successful it is today. So that started a while back and it started developed over time to become an ambassador for it, which I'm really happy to be. And I can't think of anything better because men in general kind of like, you know, it takes me a while to wake up to the fact I've got something wrong with me. You know, it takes probably my partner to, my, my, my wonderful female partner, Mary, to go, no, Tom, you've got something wrong. There is something wrong there. <laughs> Tom, there's something wrong. And then it might take someone else again. To say no, no, Tom, Tom. There's something wrong, and and, and I tell you, I'm like your typical male for sure, very much that way for me. So it's really nice to see that there's some awareness coming up for men's yeah. health and in this form, in this shape and form. And, you, me- uh, you mentioned mental health before. It's super scary to realise that something might be wrong with how you think. Yes, yeah. It's super scary to realise that the world you're seeing isn't really mm. the world that everyone else is seeing. How does having a conversation about that help you? Oh, it's it's really helpful. I mean, as soon as we start sort of um, airing out things, to actually get to talk to someone about what's going on for me emotionally is real hard. So, and and because of that sort of, I got this kind of male attitude. I got this, no, I'm all right. And so to start to wake up to negative behaviours, behaviours that spill out from inner kind of, inner language old very uh, destructive inner language to change that inner language i need to actually share what's going on with me to actually get that out and to really um to be fearless with my emotions and so that's a really tricky place to go to for a man because quite often we don't connect the emotions very well uh, that's what I, that's my experience getting you know sad getting vulnerable crying like oh my god i for me to really cry, something's really got to be going on, you know. Something really has to be. I don't cry that easily and, and, and sometimes it's a bit sad because I do get touched emotionally 
But it doesn't really sort of come out as crying, but I do get touched emotionally. But I know that crying has been incredibly healthy for me, uh, incredibly freeing and, and moves something through me. And I think that's what we're kind of getting to here is actually allowing ourselves to move something in us that seems insurmountable, something massive, so big and scary that it's, I can't do anything about this. I feel helpless. So I try to push it aside. I try to go, well, maybe that's not there. And I, well, I don't look at it. The bigger and stronger it gets. So that's the tricky thing. At some point, it will come up. We'll need to deal with it. And that's the sense that I've always had. And, uh, and the more I deny something, the bigger it gets. So um, with someone close by, you know, like Nick, my brother, who's been fearless in his own life in many ways, he's ready to go to places that are, aren't necessarily comfortable at all. So that's been really helpful for me. And, uh, I think you've not al- you're not alone there, mate. Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right. Hearing, hearing you put it like that, if you ignore it, it's just going to get bigger. Mm. It's an uncomfortable fact. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but it's Because we it's think a, we're, man, well, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with it, it's fine. Mm. But all it's doing in the background is just, just doing push-ups. <laughs> and, we all, and we've got this message in the back of our head as males that we've got to have the answer. Yeah, we do. And we've got, we got to fix it. So... We're the men, we, we have the answers, we know, and, and, and I'm fixing it. Right then I'm stuck on my own, isolated, with my old ideas. Mm. And that old language is just going to keep bouncing off in this, and that little space will get smaller and smaller and smaller until it gets tighter and smaller and, 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 and it gets sad. And all you do is get angry. You get that angry old man, you know, <laughs> that angry old man thing. I'm praying that I'm saved from this angry old man. You've got a really... bit of lawn out the front. You can yell, get off my lawn. Yeah. It might work. Yeah, <laughs> I could. Hey. I could just get angry in the driveway. <laughs> and then when I get out town to town, I'll just like, look down at the ground. Yeah, they do, don't grunt, they? Oh, yeah, grunt. Just monosyllabic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you've always had this physical discipline about your surfing. Mm. What role does physical discipline play in keeping your brain clean these days? Oxygen. We get oxygen around our body. The more we can get oxygen around our body in a healthy way, the better. So exercise has shown, physical exercise has shown that it maintains that level of oxygen in the brain and it keeps the brain activity healthy. So we want to get that oxygenated blood pumping around the body, freeing up all that, all that crap that gets stacked up in the corners. So we want to get it in there. Everyone can access it at any level, even if you've got a half a leg, half one arm. I've seen people do extraordinary things with the most incredible disabilities, and there's no, no excuse. So I think getting out there and doing exercise on a regular basis is first step. That's a really nice step to actually offer yourself up some, some good oxygen, good food, you know, really good food, and then good rest. So you got those three things. If you get those in good measure, you know, you're kind of setting yourself up to be able to care for those who are less fortunate. So you kind of, is it like a really good kind of equation there that's real basic? You know, I've got some injuries, I've got some things going on. And, you know, if we're doing things, we're going to get injured from time to time. But I know that I have faith that the body's always trying to heal at some level. Mm-hmm. The body's rallying to balance itself up and heal. And I don't care how sick you are and how ill you are, we're always, a body's alive. If we're here and we're breathing, it's always trying to rally to heal. So if we offer ourselves 
that simple equation, it's coming back. That's so good. Um, I know you've got to get out of here. So mm. we like to end these interviews with the same questions. Mm. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. So when it comes to Movember, what kind of moustache do you grow? Well, as you can see at the moment, I've got a bunch of hair on my face. So, good beard right now. Uh, I usually just grow the basic mo uh, anyway. Um, yeah, something like a policeman one, yeah. you know, a little bit um, John and Ponch, you know, like that kind of guy. Um, um, but I'd say this year I'm going to come the opposite way. I'm going to shave off the beard and reveal the mo. It's day one. <laughs> so it's going to be no working it up. It's going to be working back into a kind of more refined sort of Got look. it. Yeah. So what piece of advice do you wish that your father had passed down? I wish I'd listened to Tom, slow and steady wins the race. It was something he used to say that to me all the time. And I think he knew that I was rushing around a little bit too quick. And so I don't think there's anything I wish for because I think everything's been perfectly in place, but maybe I wish that I could have listened a little bit better. What do you appreciate... (laughs) What do you appreciate the most in your friends? The humour, truth and camaraderie, you know. I think those three things are really nice. I think I know the answer to this question, but what's your favourite form of exercise? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, yeah... (laughs) Yeah, surfing is just, you know, ocean, anything ocean-orientated for me. You know, swimming, diving, just ocean. Give me the ocean any day. And finally, what are your words to live by? Um, Honesty. Try to get as close as possible to honesty. (laughs) Uh, Open-mindedness, willingness, love and laughter. I can't thank you enough for your time. Thanks for having us in your home, Tom. Pleasure. So that was Tom Carroll. You can find him online on Instagram. He documents his adventures quite well. Thomas Victor Carroll is who he is on Instagram. He's an incredible guy, as I'm sure you'll agree. And I'm really grateful that you had a chance to listen to the episode today. If you enjoyed it, please uh, rate us. Please leave a review. And please, the best thing you can do for us is just tell a mate. If you've got a friend that you think could benefit from this show or anything that you've heard in this show that resonates with you and you think reminds you of someone you know, Just get them to listen to the show. Just pass it on. That's all we can ask of you. Uh, For more information, for more episodes, MovemberRadio.com. And, of course, just go and find us on Facebook for anything else you need. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you subscribe in iTunes. And until next time, take care. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.